guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> I've got my own intro music now. <laughs> Not as good. Not as good. <laughs> Sorry. Well. We'll stick with Ian Martin's <laughs> intro music. Yes, Ian Martin, your intro music is much better. Thank you. But well, we are uh, continuing now a conversation around um, the everyday missionary, I think. and But it's going to change gears a little bit. It's going to change gears because we're going to talk about, and this is a conversation maybe directed a little bit more towards those like that feel the urge to be a, a church planter or to work in, in that capacity. And maybe I'm wrong, so interject. and A church planner or a movement planner, someone that wants to see a... A bunch of missionary work happen and find funding or not. Yes, and you'll 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 probably hear some disagreements in this episode. We'll see. Who knows? Apparently, Stephen and Michael hate my guts right now. But (laughs) we don't hate your guts. They just. I'm not quite sure. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, But we are going to be talking around two things. Uh, This word that you've probably heard thrown around: bivocational. Uh, and this word that you've probably heard or thrown around, in, it's really the new trendy word, let's be honest, yeah. is co-vocational. I'm going to be co-vocational. That sounds so politically correct. It does. It? it sounds just very, very different. <laughs> um, and so maybe we can Don't give... Don't hate, Tim. Huh? <laughs> Don't hate. I, I myself uh, am supported by my church. Um, and so I was bivocational for 10 years of ministry. Oh, okay. You've earned So... <laughs> You've earned it. You've earned it. I am blessed. I'm blessed by a body that believes in in what we're doing and is is very generous. And so I don't want to take like I'm really, really blessed um, to be able to do what I do for the kingdom without without any strings. And we love you. And they I mean they're excited I'm here. So (laughs) it's 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 exciting. Uh, but I want to talk about bivocational and co-vocational. Uh, so, Mike, why don't you provide some definition um, and just sort of start the conversation for us? Yeah, I I think uh, typically when you think in the in the church planting world, the way church planters have been trained in the past is to raise hundred percent of their support and get to a place where they um, have this critical mass of people that are behind them that are going to help join them to launch, uh, not really plan a church, but launch a Sunday gathering kind of deal. And then hopefully they keep a number of those people that will continue to pay their salary hundred percent so that they can plant this church. But they're, they're really just taking a, a large number of people from one church to another church and hoping to out of that reach people who are outside of the church. Now, what we're finding is a lot of uh, people that want to either plant a church or plant a movement of missional communities, micro churches, whatever it is, um, are really trying to start focusing out of the harvest and not how do we get and recruit a bunch of people from existing churches, but how do we position ourselves as missionaries and go to a group of people that aren't already followers of Jesus and as they come to faith, unleash them and start new things. You do that, you don't you don't have money. Um, so many of these people that are planting are they have to have other jobs. Um, they're either full time with with a job outside of the church world, and they're building relationships 
and seeing God work in those relationships, seeing community form, churches start to form, whether it's a micro church or a collection of those, whether they have Sunday or not. Um, some of the some of the people that are planting um, and and seeing themselves as missionaries are uh, getting kind of half of their support. So they raise half of their support and they're working part-time jobs and um, on the side, spending the other 20, 30 hours a week, really trying to develop stuff for, for what they're doing on mission. Um, but Creo, about half of Creo right now is bivocational or co-vocational, meaning they're not getting full-time salary from their churches or not. And uh, they, they just simply want to see people reach and, and we got a, a guy that's part of Creo that's uh, traveling the East Coast selling gourmet dog treats. And that's that's how he makes a living. And he's a missionary church planner. Um, got people driving bus, um, doing all kinds of stuff, just saying whatever it takes. You know, I'll work at Lowe's, Home Depot, I don't care. Like whatever it takes, we just want to reach people. We want to see our communities transformed. And it's not about the money. Um, I'm not saying that those who make a salary from the church are wrong or that people who don't make a full-time salary um, uh, from the church are more uh, godly or better or something like that. Um, what I'm saying is we're watching God work through people that are getting supported, not getting supported, all of the above. Yeah, I think... Um Bivocation. I think one of the things that's very, very interesting about where we are now is that bivocational or co-vocational is becoming a choice. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not it's like I couldn't raise the money. It's I choose to work in a in, in two different environments. Um, one being the church, but also being able to work in an environment where there are not people who are followers of Jesus. And there's a trans the idea of having a foot in two different worlds with the intention of bringing those worlds together, bringing the kingdom into the secular environment. So that's, that's a great point mm-hmm. that, that people are intentionally saying, if I want to be good news and reach and connect with people, I need to actually be among them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a job's part of that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've. I mean, I think we all know uh, there are pastors who are working in Starbucks because they choose to work in Starbucks because that's where they're connecting with people. You know, you 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 used to. I do did. That, I did that for ten years. Yeah. I did, so, and I actually, even though I'm full time, I still maintain like one day a month, one day a week type mm-hmm. thing at Starbucks. So. Mm-hmm. So that I can be present. With what people. was that like? I mean, I, I, describe those ten years on how you. You did that because I, I I know this story, but I just so, love. So the thing the thing about Starbucks, it was it was life giving. Mm-hmm. Um, the work was extremely draining, and I think we hit a point as our church grew because we we didn't we didn't plant fully funded, right? We planted four guy four not four guys. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm a sexist pig, but yeah, <laughs> uh, we planted. You know, it was uh, two three couples together, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a slow and steady trickle of growth over a period of years because we didn't want to do the recruiting mentality. We didn't want to go place to place and say, Oh, we've got something better to offer. And we thought about it, you know, like 
Oh, that that could be great because then it takes the pressure off. It's easy too. It's it's the easy way out, right? Mm-hmm. Like let's be honest about mm-hmm. it. And what we've seen is a lot of broken people walk through our doors, and ex- for us, it's just been an amazing experience because we love them. We love them to pieces. And I mean, I say that because I'm broken. Like mm-hmm. we love because he first loved us, mm-hmm. and so for me. Starbucks was a place where my actions as a manager allowed me to show people to move them one step closer to Jesus. Mm -hmm. I was able to stick out in the way that I operated, how I functioned, how I cared for them, what our store Mm -hmm. looked like. I mean, I always, I had my saying, like, people are more important than coffee. Oh, I like that. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I I know. You wouldn't know it when we were getting... As I take a sip of wine. When we were getting screamed at for making the wrong latte. After I have coffee, I feel that people are important. (laughs) But... He made such a great point with this question. (laughs) Continue, Tim. That was great. That was wonderful. I'm off now. Um, You said that people were more important than coffee. Yeah, people were more important than coffee. Now, I mean, fast forward, and as our church grew, the reality is, like, you get to a point where managing, you know, a store and overseeing other stores mm-hmm. becomes a very heavy weight. To, to do both things well was difficult, but I still wanted to maintain some type of balance. And so while I went full-time with the church, I'm still present mm-hmm. in a very part-time basis with mm-hmm. the company so that I can still engage with people. And now... Like, I don't see that as the only example, because for myself, I use every opportunity. I don't have an office. Everything I do is in the community. So, I mean, I write my sermons, my talks for Sunday. I sit at a pub. Mm -hmm. And it's incredible the conversations you get to have, because, like, I walked in after church. We went to the same pub on a Sunday this past week. And I walked in, and we were like, we were wondering where our pastor was. Oh, that's great. Right? (laughs) And mind you... I never preach the gospel to them. They simply know who I am, what I stand for, how I interact with my family, who I do all my meetings there. I invite people there all the time. And so it, I think you, if, are, you are preaching the gospel, though. but it's you're so living, when we talk, living the gospel, when we talk about like bivocational, co-vocational, full time, mm-hmm. like the different forms and functions. Ultimately, I think there's a choice of how you live those things out. Mm-hmm. And because the goal, the goal is and should always be fruit out of the harvest. And I I think that's the key point. The thing, the thing that resonates deeply when I think about that is that it's not, it's not about our kingdom, right? We want to be lights in Summersworth so that others will be pointed to Jesus, Mm -hmm. not for Summersworth, but for the king. And so I think as we think about co-vocational and bivocational. I had one friend tell me that he thinks the words are bivocational is not a choice where you have to do it to make ends meet. Co-vocational is a choice where you do both out of a willing decision Mm -hmm. to embark on the dual path. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to learn like even to define those a little bit more. And then full-time is another choice, I Mm -hmm. guess. But the, the vision, the goal, I think is behind the scenes in it's about. There's another term that's being used now called freelance. Freelance. Am I free? What's freelance? <laughs> I, I'm. I, this is new. Inform. Yeah. No, no. It's it's just the concept of I'm doing multiple things to make income, but really focus primarily on how do I carry out the mission that God's called me to. So, 
um, yeah, people kind of see themselves as not just bivocational, maybe tri-vocational, doing a lot of things on the side to, to bring in the resources that they need. But um, how do I make time and space to be able to live this calling out? I think we're looking at a trend. I always say, I, I hate using the word trend because trends become fads really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think we're looking at a pattern that is emerging as far as the future of the church. Uh, more and more churches are finding it very hard to, to support full-time staff. Um, and I'm not, I'm not so sure that this isn't a move of God that's causing a dispersing of the church where now um, the where micro churches and these these fringe churches that are focused like pub churches and beer churches and and uh, um, brunch churches brunch churches dinner churches um, cast member churches for that matter um, are be free summer's worth yeah exactly. <laughs> but what's happening is it's putting it's putting really here's what it comes down to it's putting disciple making back in the hands of everyday people and how they support themselves just to, to recognizing that their job is a means to helping them make disciples. We see that all the way back to the new Testament, all the way back. Paul was willing to be a tent maker. And I think I'm sure if you were making tents right alongside Paul, I'm sure you heard some really great stories and you heard some really great truth being spoken. I just see I, this excites me. Now, you know, if, if you're going into the ministry for the money, I'm sorry, I'm going to go prophetic here for a second. But, but if you're going into the ministry for the money, you stop right now. Stop right now. But if you are going into the ministry and you are just looking for opportunities to support yourself to do it, that's great. And use those opportunities even as mission fields. But I'm excited about how this is being deconstructed um, because we're going to see more and more multiplication happening much more effectively this way than than having uh, big, bigger staff-driven models. I was going to say bro, but I'm going to say Stephen. <laughs> I am really happy that you went prophetic there. Because <laughs> um, Jesus said that. Mm-hmm. You cannot serve God and money. Yeah. And I, I think I um, just said to you off offline here, um, that uh, it's, I use that quote, it's, it's hard to um, teach people something, or it's hard to get people to understand something when their salary depends on them not understanding. Mm-hmm. And there, there are people probably listening to this, that are in an existing church, that feel called by God to go somewhere else, do something else, reach a different group of people, make an impact in some way, somewhere but you're unwilling to do it because you're stuck to secure salary and you don't, you don't want to take the risk that God's inviting you into because you're afraid about where the money's going to come from. Uh, at the end of the day, we need to be willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads us. And then we can figure out the money piece later, whether that's raising support or getting another job or, um, Maybe your people who join you will support you. I don't know. But if God's calling you to a place and to a people, don't not go because because of money. Don't let money be the obstacle that keeps you from being obedient to the call of God in your life, wherever that is. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's um, and I want to I, I want to I, I just speak to the pastor who 
who knows that his church is, there's something wrong. He knows what, uh, uh, what needs to be done and what changes need to take place, but is afraid of losing his job because of those changes. I just want to say to you, um, if Jesus is the one that's doing this in you, that's causing this, provoking this, Jesus will take you through it. But you, you've got to be obedient. Take courage. Trust that he's leading and see what he's going to do. But I, I let me affirm what Mike is saying is that um, don't let money or the lack of it or the fear of losing it keep you from following the path that he's called you to. And may I just call it the adventure yeah. that he's called you to, because that's where you're going to see him show up in ways you have never dreamed before. Just keep moving forward. You know, you know what nobody said to me 15, 20 years ago when I was in Bible college was, no, go ahead and go into business and then start churches. <laughs> nobody said that. Mm-hmm. Right. But today I'd say, maybe you should consider if you're, if, if you're younger, you're in high school, college, you feel like God's calling you to create communities, start churches, plant churches, missional communities, micro churches, whatever it is. Um, that's, that's a real option for you is to say, let's go ahead and um, make money elsewhere, start business, be an entrepreneur and um, make disciples. Remember that your bank account is not your source. Jesus is your source. He has, he has every capacity to provide for every need that you have. Your responsibility is to trust and obey. You do that, he will show you the way to go. Okay, so let me ask. Um, for people that are in full-time ministry, like myself, uh, do you see the answer as the same? Because, I mean, I, I, would, I would sit here and say, and maybe I'm arrogant to think, um, but I'm really blessed by our church. Like a group of people that are living on mission, a group of people that understand and see their gifting or challenge, challenge each other, who live as everyday mission. Like, I'm, I don't have things to complain about, to be very honest with you. <laughs> Uh, who are who desire fruit out of the harvest? You know, our events we try to like cover in prayer. Anything we do is like we're submitting ourselves to God's will for our community. Mm-hmm. Like we celebrate and rejoice for one lost sheep who comes in. So, what do you say? Because I, I don't think you're describing a healthy church, and so so how God has chosen to supply for you personally is beautiful. It's, it's wonderful. It's, it is one of the ways that he chooses to work, to supply for somebody. I don't fault anybody for, we're not, I, I don't think we're no. trying, no, we're not trying to put guilt on anybody that is actually making a living uh, doing the work of the ministry. The Bible's pretty clear that that's okay. <laughs> and see, that's, that's the thing I think. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, what you're saying is what I'm, maybe I'm trying to drive to that point. Mm-hmm is the forms and functions of the church. I mean, the forms of the church are going to be vastly different, but we need to allow people to live into those empowerments 
mm-hmm. and celebrate them. Mm-hmm. The forms of the church are, some will be traditional. Mm-hmm. Some will be this weird blend, which is what I think we are. We're mm-hmm. this, like, we're a missional church that has some type of original or, mm-hmm. like, it's similar to our liturgies tends to be the same. Mm-hmm. Then there's missional communities, or there's micro churches that are mm-hmm. meetings. The forms are vastly different, mm-hmm. bivocational, co-vocational, mm-hmm freelance, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, but is is learning to, I think, to take everything we've been saying through this point, mm-hmm. right? Hearing from God, calling, mm-hmm. like understanding the fact that everyone can do this. We're called to be missionaries. And so living into that, mm-hmm. I think, is the key because we're better together. Mm-hmm. I think if you, if, here's really, if you think about it, Jesus is our goal. Jesus is our source. Mm-hmm. So that means it's all about Jesus. How he chooses to fund the vision that he wants to see fulfilled is entirely up to him. The most important thing is, is that we, whoever we are in our unique circumstance, in our unique context, is that we are trusting him. Not, not necessarily where the money is. And But that's, again, it's up to Jesus. Yeah, and we're not putting down people that are that are making an income from their church, that people are supporting them well. But at the same time, we have to be careful that those existing churches that are making an income aren't putting down people that choose to be exactly. Covo, Freelance, it's Bible, both whatever it is. And. That, it that, is they, both that they wouldn't and. say, because I've heard these things, they wouldn't say things like, well, when your people start to give enough or when you start to, you know, when your church matures, and those type of degrading comments as if you're less than because you haven't arrived like us because we have money. Because last insane. time I checked where two or three are gathered, mm-hmm. we're a church. Yep. And, and that's where it's both and. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, bivocational, co-vocational, freelance, old school, like whatever you want to call it. A church could have a zero budget and still be a church. Yeah, A church could have $10 million and be a church. That is up to Jesus. There you go. Boom. Mic drop. I like it. <laughs> well, not literally. Not literally. This microphone is <laughs> too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not mine. <laughs> but uh, I really appreciate the conversation. Uh, and I hope you notice, like, you, there are different people sitting around the table. And I think that's what makes this so unique, this conversation yes. so unique. And I hope that you hear it, that you're, that you're challenged by it, that you're sharing it that you're encouraged by it. And today I hope you live into it. Mm-hmm. Well, for Stephen, Mike, and myself, we hope you have an amazing day and we will see you on the outside.